0: Our readings today come from Surah 49, Hujarat, which is in the Quran, um, verses 14 and 15. And according to a tradition narrated from the Imam Sadiq, one who recites Surah al-Hurjarat every night or every day shall be regarded as one of the visitors of the Prophet Muhammad. The chapter was revealed in Medina with its title being a direct reference to the private suites or chambers of the prophet and his family that were connected directly to the original structure of the prophet's mosque in Medina. It focuses on social etiquette among Muslims and between the Muslims and the prophet and notably states that faith is proven through action, not words. The nomadic Arabs say, we believe. Say to them, you do not believe. So say only that you submit your will to God, for faith has not entered into your hearts. But if you obey God and his messenger, he will not withhold any of the rewards of your deeds, for God is oft forgiving, most merciful. Only those who are true believers who believe in God and his messenger and have never since doubted but have striven with their possessions and their persons in God's cause, such are the sincere ones. Some people worship others besides God, making them equal with God and loving them as they should love God. But those who truly believe love God passionately. The next reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, out of the New Testament. In the Gospel of John, we find Nicodemus, a prominent leader of the Jews, coming to Jesus at night out of fear or shame of being seen. He approached Jesus about the condition of his own soul. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, but no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter the second time into a mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Here ends the readings for today. May God bless us with understanding.
1: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. I begin with the name of God, most gracious, most merciful. And my greeting to you all is Salaam, which means peace in Arabic. My name is Arshad Yusufi, and I thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to you. A little bit about myself. I was born in India and my pa- parents migrated to Pakistan right after the partition of India into uh, India and Pakistan. So I grew up in Pakistan and I trained as an electrical engineer and then I went to Uh, England to study, uh, again, electrical engineering, and I worked there for a period of about 11 years. And I have been in the United States for 33 or so years, and I am a naturalized American citizen. So if you wonder about my accent, those three migrations should explain it. (laughs) And if I get into a lot of detail, it's because I'm an engineer. So my sermon is about the states of the spirit and the transformations that take one from one state to another. Transformations in nature are drastic, dramatic, even spectacular. You know, the dull-colored caterpillar crawling on a leaf is transformed into a beautiful butterfly soaring in the sky. Human physical transformations are probably not as spectacular, but our spiritual transformations can be just as spectacular. Jesus taught about being born again spiritually, and that is one of the great transformations that can take place in a person's life. And there is something similar in Islam. First, let me tell you a little bit about what we believe about God in Judaism and Christianity. Our God is the God of Abraham, and Islam, we believe, is the fulfillment of the promise that God made for Ishmael, that he would be a mighty nation, father of 12 rulers, and his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. This is in the book of Genesis. So some 600 years after Jesus, God sent the Ishmaelites, a prophet, Muhammad, with a scripture, the Quran, and the religion of Islam. And because of these, the, Ishmael, the Muslim Ishmaelite civilization became one of the greatest civilizations the world has ever known before or since. And this was the fulfillment of the blessings that God had given for Ishmael in the book of Genesis. And we regard Jews and Christians not as infidels, but as ahli Kitab, which means people of the book, of the scripture that was given to them by God and we consider them to be fellow believers in the one God of Abraham. So the initial state that we start all start out in no matter how wise we may be in worldly matters we all start out in a state of ignorance about God. And we call this state jahiliya. And in this state, we may not even think about God, or we may invent our own gods and our own rules to suit our desires, or come up with our own definitions of good and evil. It is a huge step to go from this state to knowing and believing in God, and also to submit to His will and His commands. And this is an intellectual transformation. One must be convinced of the truth to believe it. And you have to use your knowledge and reason and put aside emotions and desires to arrive at the truth. The mind must be satisfied with the belief. It is not rational to believe in something that does not make sense. So how does this transformation take place? How do we come to believe in God? You do have to have some knowledge, and you do have to do some thinking with an open mind and an open heart. There are many other paths that could lead you to God. But one of the easy ones is to think about the universe and its creator. So there are only two logical choices when it comes to the indisputable fact of the existence of the universe. Either the universe from the Higgs boson particle that is inside atoms to the supernova in the farthest galaxies came into existence by itself supernaturally. Or there is a supernatural creator who created time, space, mass, energy, who created the universe. For most of us, the logical, scientific choice is that there is a supernatural creator. And by a process we still do not understand, he created all living creatures. In the words of the hymn, the Lord God made them all. And if there's a creator with the power to create the universe, then surely he has power over each one of us. And like there are user guides for computers and cell phones, the creator provided us with a user guide for his products, meaning us, through the scriptures and the prophets. Right. So Knowing and understanding enough about the infinite God to sincerely believe in him makes one a Muslim in a state of Islam or submission to God's will and commands. Also believing in Prophet Muhammad as a messenger of God. And this state is enough for a person to enter paradise. This is the equivalent of what Christians consider salvation. If you have this belief and you do the the actions, you obey God. But belief is a very personal matter. We cannot lead anyone to believe in God even though we may love them. God guides whom he wills. Uh, You may say, well, if this is what Islam is, how come there are so many Muslims making trouble all over the world? There are some Muslims people who call themselves Muslim who may still be in a state of ignorance about God. And we, they're still in this state of jahiliya. And there are some Muslims who are only social or cultural Muslims. They do not know the rules of Islam. They do not follow them. And there are some who declare themselves to be Muslims, but they do not believe sincerely. And we call them hypocrites. And some use religion for their agenda, uh, misuse religion for their agenda. And as for, Christ- like for Christians, becoming Muslim does not guarantee you immunity from Satan's temptations. So Muslims can be just as ignorant, as evil, and as violent as followers of any other religion. Muslims are not angelic, intelligent angelic beings. And so if they do evil, it is not because of the religion, it is in spite of the religion. But there is a higher state than being a Muslim. It is a more beautiful spiritual form, and that is of a moment, a moment. Okay. Think of it this way. The Muslim is the caterpillar. The moment is the butterfly. So what is the difference between the Muslim and the moment? So the Muslim believes sincerely in God, is submits to God's will and commands, performs a worship, gives in charity, performs a pilgrimage to, to Mecca, and for all these, he or she will be rewarded in, par- in paradise. The moment not only does everything that the Muslim do- does, but he or she also has the love of God in their heart, and they love God with a passion. It is similar to the first commandment of Jesus. He taught that you should love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. God loves us. When you get to this stage of being a woman, you reciprocate God's love. Right? So what is it that transforms a Muslim to a woman? It is sort of the same way that we, our human relationships develop. And Jesus often used stories about human be, people to illustrate some, some point. For example, he talked about the prodigal son. Right? He talked about the Good Samaritan. So along the same lines, supposing there's a great person in the city whom you do not know about and someone tells you about him. So you go and meet with him. You learn from him. You come to respect him. Right? And he becomes a respected a friend and a mentor. Then you spend more and more time with him. You become familiar with him. Right? You interact with him. And when you, when you do that often, you find yourself develop, developing these feelings of love for this person. Right? It is because of the frequent interaction with him. So without thinking about God, without communicating with him, without interacting with him, without trying to be close to him, you cannot get from knowing him to loving him, as it is in human relationships. So it is not just thinking about God or or thinking about another person. It is the actions you do with him, for him, related to him, that draw you closer to him and that cause you to develop the love for him. So some of the things we do we would do, some of the actions, some of the work, some of the deeds that we do, you know, in addition to the obligatory practices, you know, if you worship God in the solitude of night by yourself, you pray to him for help. You recite his names and attributes and you think about them. You ponder about him and creation even performing the pilgrimage at God's commands, you are there dressed like a beggar, begging God for his mercy and his forgiveness. And you strive in his cause with yourself and your possessions. All these things help you come closer to God. Now you may say, these are just works, these are just deeds, these are just actions Yes, they will increase our count of good deeds for which we will be rewarded in paradise. And no one enters paradise on the basis of good deeds, only by the grace of God. And the more good deeds you do, the higher level you have in the 99 levels of paradise. But these actions, these works, these deeds, they have a spiritual basis. They're not just deeds for the sake of deeds. Their purpose is to... Increase or develop your love for God. You think about God when you're doing these things, it helps build and develop your love for God. So they bring you closer to God. As Prophet Muhammad explained, that if you come a hand's width towards God, he will come to you an arm's length. If you come towards God walking, he will come to you at a running pace. So the purpose of these actions, these works, these deeds is to increase the love in your heart for God, to draw you closer to God. And when you love God with your heart, that love preempts and overrides all other worldly loves and desires. And Jesus said something about this also. He said you can love God or you can love mammon, which means the world. So if you love God, then that overrides all other loves you may have for worldly matter, worldly things. So the mark, the measure of a mu'min is that you love God more than you love anyone or anything else. Otherwise you're not a true believer. And so this is how you go from having sincere belief in God and being in submission to him to having love in your heart for God. You've gone from the relationship of a friend to that of a beloved. And one of the things that happens is similar to what Jesus taught. Jesus mentioned a man who found a treasure on a field. So he sold everything he possessed to buy the field with its treasure. And the treasure is the hereafter, the kingdom of God. Right? So it is also for Muslims. The focus of life changes from the worldly things to God and the hereafter. When you have this love for God in your heart. You can still strive for success in this world. But your real goal is the hereafter to be in God's presence. And this is a trade that you make. Sort of like people trade stocks for this one, for that one. This is the trade that the moment makes. Is that you trade the world for the hereafter. You are pleased with God and God is pleased with you. So this is the stage of a moment, and we should all aspire to that that stage. But there is an even greater physical and spiritual transformation that comes, that follows. And that is the ultimate transformation. We will all be resurrected into a new, young body. According to the teachings of Prophet Muhammad, every woman will be so beautiful that the maidens of paradise will be envious of her beauty. And then after judgment, people will be divided into three groups. It'd be the good, the bad, and the best. So you don't want to know what happens to the people who are bad. So the good will get companions in paradise you know, it's not going to be <clears throat> solitary confinement. The best get to be with their family and with their spouses. Now, I've heard from women that spending eternity with this husband is not <laughs> their idea of paradise. But the greatest reward is that you get to be in God's. Presence and that you get to see God directly. That is the greatest reward, not greater than any of the rewards of paradise. So, in telling you about all these states and transformations, I should tell you about my own state. You know, going back to my earliest childhood memories, I can recall a time when I did not believe in God. So, I've never had to make this transition from not believing in God to believing in God. All that knowledge and experience has done has made my faith and belief in God stronger. (coughs) But I will freely admit that I have not, I may not have been perfectly obedient to God, even though I had that consciousness of God. So I consider myself to be a work in progress. Between the caterpillar and the butterfly, those of you who have studied uh, insects, is the transient state of the pupa, from which emerges the butterfly. So I, am in, I believe to be in that stage. I, by God's grace, I hope to emerge from the cocoon, ready to take flight in a more beautiful spiritual state. So I end with a prayer. I wish for all the same spiritual transformation with love for God overflowing from our hearts, minds, and souls. May the God of Abraham bless all who are present that we may become aware of his love for each one of us and develop and increase the love in our hearts for him. Amen. Amen.